this. Just raise your hand if you didn't get one. They'll bring you one. Get your Bibles out, and while you do that, I'm going to get a drink of water really quick, because it's been quite a morning so far, hasn't it? So, uh, thank you very much. It's been good. Good, good, good. But yeah, sometimes I sing too much, and I, I, uh, I get dried out. But uh, this is kind of an emotional day for me. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be heading out on uh, sabbatical tomorrow, and uh, I'll be gone for 10 weeks. And um, so it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to be away, as I shared with you last week, that I love our church. I love this place. I love you guys. To see you here this morning and to see your faces, there's something special and, and powerful about that. There's sermon notes in your Bible. There's also goals in my Bible blog about uh, what I hope to accomplish during the sabbatical and the time away. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. But we'll be traveling with the family in the first part, heading to England to study and then coming back for just a couple weeks with family before coming back to church. And so there's a lot happening over those 10 Sundays. But uh, I will be at two board meetings on boards that I'm a part of and at one conference that I'll be speaking at. But other than that, uh, it'll be rest and time with the Lord and study. And I'm looking forward to that. But I am, I'm going to miss you guys because, as I said last week, I love coming to church here. I am going to miss our worship time. What happened today, I'm going to miss that. Because I love being in the presence of the Lord. I, and, and it's not just that we can be in the presence of the Lord at any church, but it's with my family. That's where I want to be in the presence of the Lord. And, um, and, and so I'm going to miss you guys. And as I said last week also, that every day I walk through the doors of this building, I thank God because it is such an honor and a privilege to come to this place, to be able to work here and, and to be a part of it. And even in the most difficult moments, the most difficult times, I've always enjoyed being here and I've never seen it as drudgery. It's always been just an honor. And I thank God every day that I can be here. But uh, I'm excited, too, about being, spending some time with the Lord. And I want to share with you a little bit about a sabbatical, about resting in God. And just share this with you as it's been on my heart uh, to do before I leave. And, and I'm excited about the church because we are the church. We come together. That's what we do. We draw near to God together. We hold fast. We hold steady Life throws us some curves, and so we don't want to swerve. We want to hold steady in faith, believing that God is in control, and, and we motivate one another to do good works, and we keep getting together, and we do this as a church. That's our calling as a church. We are to love God. Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 12, verse 30 makes it very clear. To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What's your calling in life? It, it's for all of us to love God that way, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. I mean, that's what we're called to do. And I talked last week that we are going to be the church all about relationships. The first relationship with God, of course, number one, the most important relationship, and we'll talk about that today. But then also relationships with one another, that we're not called to be all alone in this world. We need the brothers and sisters of Christ in our lives, and we have to build those relationships intentionally. But we also have to build a relationship with this world because our world needs Jesus. And so we are going to be a church all about relationships. And if I asked you today, how many of you want to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? I know that everybody would raise their hand. I know that you want to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The problem is you don't know how to. I didn't know how to love when we first got married. And, and the five love languages, we went to a Dr. Gary Chapman seminar when we first got married. I think that saved our marriage. Because when I got, first got married, I told Leslie, I love you. I love you so much. You're so beautiful. You know, you're the best wife in the world. And she said, well, hell, tell you what, why don't you then go and do the dishes? 
no, I don't want to do the dishes. I want to tell you how much I love you. I was giving her words of affirmation because that's my love language. I like that. So I was giving her what I liked. And so she would do the dishes, but I'd say, don't you love me? Don't you want to tell me that you love me? Don't you want to tell I did the dishes, didn't I? You know, that's what, that would be her response. And so what we learned is, is that we have to learn how to love each other. And now, after 16 years of marriage, I'm happy to say that my job in the home is dishes. And I do. <laughs> and Leslie will tell you that's the only thing I do in our home. But, uh, but I knew that that meant more to her than me saying, I love you. And I had to learn how to love Leslie. We need to learn how to love God because we think we know how to love God, but you don't know how to love God. You want to know why? Because you're fallen. You're messed up. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so we think we love God. We want to show him that we love him, but we really don't know how to love him. And so God says, let me show you in my word how to love me. I'm going to tell you in my word, this is what I'm going to share with you so that you can love me the way I need to be loved. I want you to love me that it will bring love and, and glory and honor to my name. Let me show you how to love me. And so his word begins to set the standard for love, and he begins to define love. We don't get to define love, loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. He defines that, and we follow it, and we have to live according to his standard and his definition of loving God. Otherwise, our love is just lip service. It's just saying, I love you, God, I love you, God, I love you, God. And he's saying, why don't you do the dishes then? And what we have to realize is that that God is going to set us up for, for success in life if we follow his word. And, and we have to hold on to that. We don't want to be tricked by the enemy. We don't want to do our own thing. We want to follow God. And I want to make sure that I am loving God and that you're loving God as we should. And so anytime you open the Word of God, if there's a command in there, God is saying, this is how you love me, obey me. And we're going to look at one command today. But I want you to, anytime Pastor Merrill or Pastor Fred or Pastor Jonathan is up here preaching while I'm gone, as they speak the word to you and you say, okay, I'm supposed to be doing that, God's telling you something. That's how you love me. Anytime you open the Bible on your own and do your own study, if God says, this is what I want you to do, he's saying, this is how you love me. And I want to look at specific things and I want to kind of revisit the first commandments of the Ten Commandments and look at those because God's saying, this is my relationship with you and I want to show you how to love me. And I'm going to go from Deuteronomy chapter 5. If you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5, this is the second giving of the law to the Israelites, and and we're going to start at verse 6 and read a few verses and look at these commands that God gives us, because he says, I want to show you how to love me. It says in verse 6, I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me, You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me." We need to be careful because if we're not loving God the way he wants us to, we're actually bringing a curse upon our family. But look at the next verse because there's a great verse here. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations for those who love me and obey my commands. 
So God says, if you love me and obey me, guess what? I'm going to bless you for a thousand generations. It's not this three or four generation of curse. No, I'm going to for a thousand generations, and God can turn it around like that with his unfailing love. And so just realize, it doesn't matter what your mom and dad did or what you've done to this point in your life. Say, now, God, I'm going to love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the people around you will be affected in a very positive way as you follow God. Verse 11, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day... It's for the Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with a strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. These first four commands have to do with our relationship with God. The remainder have to do with our relationship with other people. But the first four have to do with our relationship with God. And this is what God is saying. Listen to me if I could paraphrase. He's saying, I want to be your one and only. I don't want you to look at anything else. I want to be your one and only thing. Next one, he says, I don't want you to worship anything else. Do not bow your knee to anything else. Only worship me. It's just me. Notice the, the, the parallel there in the first and the second. And the third one is, my name is above all names. And I don't want you to misuse my name. And a lot of times in casual conversation, we, you know, that, that God slips out. And God says, you know, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he says, you know what he's saying in that one? He's saying, guard your heart. Guard the flippancy of your heart. Be careful. My name is the name above all names. You need to to be careful about that. You need to watch that because I want want you to keep it holy. I want to keep this relationship holy. And, And the last one is remember the Sabbath. And he's saying there, I want you to rest and spend time with me. I want you to spend time with me. That's how we love God. Say, so God, you're it. I will not bow to anything else. I will not be flippant in our relationship. And I will give you the time that you ask for. And just remember this about the commands of God, whether it be the Ten Commandments or anything else. It's just easier to make that decision one time. It's a principle. If you make a decision one time, it's much more easy. And what I mean by that is that, you know, when you go out to eat, you need to make the decision before you go out to eat whether you're going to have dessert or not. Because if you wait till that dessert cart comes by or the tray is brought out, that's a bad time to make the decision, am I going to have dessert? Make the decision once, first, and say, that's it. When it comes to the Sabbath, we don't make the decision on Sunday morning when we wake up, I wonder if I want to go to church today. I wonder if I feel like it. I'm kind of tired. I don't know. We make that decision. No, I'm going to honor the Lord with my time. And so I'm going to be at church. Even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to be there. And and we have to make those decisions once in our mind and then follow him. This last one on Sabbath, on rest, on spending time with God is where I want to look today. And it's one of the two do commandments because most commandments are don't commandments. Do not. But he says do. Keep it holy. What does it mean to keep something holy? Because only God can make something holy. 
He makes things holy, and so God does that. How do we keep it holy? We keep it holy by saying it is dedicated or devoted to God. It is dedicated or devoted to the service of God in my life. That's how we keep it holy. So church is going to be something that is holy. I'm going to keep that dedicated to God. I'm going to give him my Saturday nights, my Sunday morning, my Wednesdays, my Thursdays. I'm going to give it to God to keep it holy. And what am I not going to do is I'm not going to work. I'm going to rest. And so we see this in this passage of Scripture. And as soon as we get in the Old Testament and into the Ten Commandments, people go, you know what? You know, we're getting close to legalism here, aren't we, Pastor Darrell? You know, I thought about that. And um, I'm not really worried about us being too legalistic. Uh, in fact, when I look at the American church, I think we could use some tightening up in some areas. You know, I, I think that maybe we should try to honor God and keep things holy. And I'm not talking about swinging the pendulum to legalism, but we're not there, guys. So don't worry about it, okay? I'm not worried about it today. Because you know what? When we talk about these things, these are not heavy obligations to keep God first, to worship Him, to not be flippant in our relationship, to give Him the time. In our life. That, that, those are not heavy obligations that He puts on us. He says, I've given you freedom. And in this case, freedom from slavery, but he's given us freedom from sin as we are part of his family. And he says, you know what? I have, I will, I always will provide in your life. And so the commandments are not something we designed to keep us in check. You know, those are something God designed. We had no hand in designing the Ten Commandments. God designed the commands. And you know what? He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need us. So they're really not for his benefit. They're for our benefit. Isn't that amazing that when I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, he blesses me? Isn't that wild to think that if I just do what I'm supposed to do, he blesses me for a thousand generations? I mean, that's wild to think that if I just do what God tells me to do, it's all good in my life. I mean, that's just the blessing of the Lord. That's the honor of the Lord. And Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I want to tell you today that this is not going to be something difficult to walk through. This is just something that God says, I want you to do. And we have to realize that our time is a precious gift from God. It's the only gift that we can't get more of. That when the seconds leave the clock, they're gone forever. There's other resources that we have that we can renew or recycle or get more of, but time is not one of those things. And God says, I want you to give me some of your time. I want some of your time. I want you to set aside a day a week to give to me. That's a lot to think about. But that's the way God's saying, you don't know how to love me. You think you know how to love me, you don't know how to love me. And I want some time with you. That's one thing. But it's not just time, it's talents and treasures. God says, I've given you talents. I want you to give those to me. They're not just for you. They're not just for your work. They're not just for you to make money. They are for you to give back to me, to use in my kingdom. It's the same thing with, with the treasure, the, the money that we have. God says, it's not just for you. And we don't know how to love God. And loving God is not throwing a 10 or 20 in the plate as it goes by. It's saying, God, I'm going to tithe my income to you. I'm going to honor you. And I'm going to give offerings beyond that because, God, it all belongs to you anyway. It's saying, this is how I love God, by giving to him, not just financially, but of my talents and my time. God, it belongs to you, and I'm going to honor you. 
and I feel like God has told me to go on sabbatical. And I, I, we've talked about it as, a, as kind of the, for the pastors for several years now. And I was going to do it last year, but I, I, I didn't. I got scared, to be honest with you. I didn't want to give God the time, so I made Pastor Fred go on sabbatical instead. And uh, he had a good time. So, But I believe God's saying, it's your time now, Daryl. Give me some of your time. Things will be fine without you. Don't worry about it. But I need some of your time. And God says the same thing to you. You love me? Give me the Sabbath. Give me that day to speak in your life. Why do we need the Sabbath? The first thing is, is we need rest. We need rest. We are the most busy, complex society in human history. From the very beginning of time of Adam and Eve to today, we are the most busy society that has ever lived. A phrase that we use in our, our language all the time is 24-7, don't we? You hear that 24-7? You know why? Because it's a reality in the day that we live. You can go shopping any time of the day that you want. You can go get fast food any time of the day that you want. You can get whatever you need any time of the day, and, and if you don't get everything done, well, at least I got Sunday to take care of the rest. Or I, I can, you know, I didn't get everything else done, so I'm going to use this day, your day, God, to... To, to get everything done that I need to get done because I didn't have enough time in the rest of the week. And so we, we just kind of use that time for God. And what we end up with is debt. And, and the people in, 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 in the research community call it sleep debt. That we're not sleeping like we should. And, and so we're, we're not resting like we should. So we have this debt that, that accumulates. And how do you pay that debt? Well, with physical consequences in our lives. And we have this debt that we're building up with God and saying, God, I just don't have time for you. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you. And, and God says some pretty harsh things when it comes to stories like Mary and Martha. Martha's very busy for Jesus, but he doesn't have anything nice to say to her. But to Mary, who sat at his feet, she, she gets something that's eternal. That'll never be taken away from her. Because she took the time to be with Jesus. I've had families in my church say this literally to me that that. Um, you know, Pastor Darrell, it's been such a busy time in our lives, and, and so uh, we're just going to, if it's okay, we're just going to take Sunday, and we're going to have a family day on Sunday, and, and so we just feel like it'd be better if we just took the kids to Six Flags, and, um, and, just do, and I'm like, that's your day of rest? Six Flags plus kids does not equal rest to me. I don't know about you, but that's just not a good combination for, yeah, we've just been so busy, we really need to rest, Pastor Darrell, we're going to Six Flags. Wow, Okay. Good luck with that. But Jesus is doing something here. When he says you need to rest, you need to spend time with me, he's doing something in our life because he knows what we need. And Jesus, this is a principle throughout the Gospels. It's not just about rest. It's about everything in the Gospels. He always invites us to trade in the temporary for the eternal. He says to the, uh, the, the young guys, and when he calls them to, uh, to be his disciples, he says, I don't want you fishing for fish anymore. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Put down your, your temporary nets for an eternal calling. He says the same thing when, uh, and I could go through the Gospels and do this, but when he feeds the 5,000 and they're so amazed, all this bread and all this fish, wow, Jesus, that's so cool, you fed us all, and Jesus says, that's great. But in the very next chapter when he's trying to teach them something, he says, I'm the bread of life. I know what we had temporary was really good, but what I could give you is eternal. And what we need to do is realize that when God gives us time with him, he's doing something eternal in our life. But what happened this morning is we gave time to him and worshipped him. He was doing something supernatural, eternal in our lives. There's a story of a rich young ruler that comes to Jesus. 
And he just, he, Jesus said, just give it all away. And he said, I, I don't want to trade in what's temporary for something eternal. I'll just hold on to what I got if you don't mind. And, and that makes the heart of God sad. That's not loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We want to give God that time. We want to trade in this temporary life for something eternal. And God knows exactly what you need. And he defines it for you. And he says, I want you to rest. And you can look throughout scriptures. Maybe go to Psalm 23, when he's leading us beside quiet waters, when he's putting us down in in green pastures and say, does my life look like that? Am I the laying down in green pastures kind of guy that I should be with God? And, and, And we need that rest. Living things thrive when rested. We thrive when we're rested. And so God says, you need rest. The other thing that Sabbath does for us is it allows us to, to enter into corporate worship. And whether it be the ancient synagogues of the past or the, or the early church, the rabbis who would teach that on the Sabbath you gathered together and you worshiped God in the synagogue, or in the early church when they would gather together on Sundays and worship the Lord, well, all this, it's always been a part of Christianity. It's always been a part of Judaism. It's always been a part of God's plan that we would have corporate worship together. Why is that so important? Because we need to corporately celebrate who we are. This is very important. You may think, well, what's the big deal about corporately celebrating who we are? It's extremely important. Let me give you an illustration. Perfect illustration happened this week. The Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, all right. That was pretty exciting. But then did you guys see the parade? Or maybe you went to the parade. Uh, on Friday, and that sea of red that people were wearing. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was for me, it was a thing of beauty. I loved it. I love that kind of stuff. And, and I love the games, and I love that. And it was a time to gather together and corporately celebrate for Blackhawks fans. We won. We are victorious. We're having the Cubs play the Sox, and so, so you see everybody kind of going on one side or the other here in Chicago, and so we're we're corporately celebrating the victory of the Sox and, um, and, and stuff so far. And, and uh, I know, I'm making half of you mad. I understand that. But, but, but we, we corporately celebrate, or the World Cup is on USA. US, you know, that kind of thing. We corporately celebrate who we are. And there's something good and powerful about that. There's something powerful when you see that U.S. flag come in at the Olympics that brings a tear to your eye because you're like, that's me. That represents who I am. And there's something powerful about that. Or my team is hoisting the Stanley Cup. There's something powerful about that because you're celebrating, corporately celebrating that, that, that we are victorious. And guess what? When we get together on Sundays and we worship like we worship and we pray like we pray and we hear the word, that we win. Remember, whatever happened this week and however defeated you feel, we win. And, and I feel defeated. I feel beat down. But guess what? I come and I sing, He's stronger. He's stronger. We need that. There's something about that that we need. Because guess what? The phrase, out of sight, out of mind, is true. That's why we have to come together and corporately worship. We have to regularly recenter our focus that God is real and that He is the Lord of our life. And we have to revisit that altar again and again and again and say, God, I belong to you. I have to reconnect with him once a week because if I don't, I will naturally drift. And the Bible says I will begin to be blown back and forth. And I don't want to be that. What do we do? Let us hold steady as we preached last week. Don't start swerving this way or that way. Hold steady. And we need to do that. 
We need to be obedient to God as we preached last week in Hebrews 10.25. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves. It's a command. We need to be intentional about it. And we need to meet God, listen to me, on his terms rather than he has to come find us. We need to meet him on his terms. He says, this is how you love me. And you know what he says over and over and over again in Scripture? And this is really interesting. He says, I want to be your rest. A lot of times we think of sleeping in or not doing something the other day. He's like, no, I want to be your rest. And God wants to be our rest, so we have to come together. I think Jesus was a perfect example of, of the Sabbath. Because you know what in the Gospels, every time you see Jesus in the Gospels on the Sabbath, you know where he is? The house of God. Every time in the Gospels, he is in the house of God on the Sabbath. And you know what he's doing? He's working miracles. He's doing something powerful. He's doing something good. And every time we gather together in his name, in his church, on the Sabbath and worship him, he's there doing powerful miracles in our life. And we have to come together to see that. And, and I love what he says in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of Sabbath. This is not about fulfilling requirements. This is about what God wants to do in your life. This is for you. This is for your rest. This is for your corporate worship to be built up. Because if we don't come to church, if we do not give him that time in our life, we will get busier and busier and busier. And busy Christians become carnal Christians who do not bring glory to God and have nothing to give to this world. Busy Christians become carnal Christians who do not bring glory to God and have nothing to give to this world. I don't want to be so busy that I forget about God. I want God to be the one that I love with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And even during the busy, most crazy week of my life, I want to say, God, I'm giving you some time for you to do something in my life. And God's going to do it in a big way. So what do we do? We lead. We lead, whether it be our, our own self or our family or, or our friends. We lead people to the house of God. And you say, well, Pastor Drew, I'm going to be on vacation this summer. I understand that. You know, I'm not going to be here 10 weeks this summer, but if I'm not overseas, you know what? I'm going to have my family in church somewhere. Wherever we're traveling, wherever we're at, we're going to be in church because that's the Lord's day. And I want to give, I want to give that day to God. And I want to lead my family. I want to get up out of the bed and go to meet with God and to remember Him. And I want to be a testimony. I'll be a testimony to my neighbor when everybody else is sleeping in or packing their golf clubs in the back of their car. I'll be a testimony as I walk out with my suit on and my Bible in hand and I'm going to the house of the Lord and I'm going to worship God there. And if you ever want to go with me, just let me know. I'll show you the way because God's there. God's there. And we need to remember who He is. I want to be that person like the psalmist. Psalm 122.1 I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I want that to be my refrain all the days of my life. Now, on Sundays, it's a very busy day. I always joke with Leslie that that's, Sunday's a work day because you know, you're preaching here. We'll, we'll drive out to Lake in the Hills. We'll preach there. We'll probably do lunch with someone out there and then probably a hospital visit or something. We'll probably get home late afternoon, early evening on a Sunday. So Sundays are really kind of busy days. And so I take a Sabbath on Thursdays. I take a day off and I take a Sabbath. And there's two questions I ask myself when, when that day comes, because again, we could just get busy and fill it up with everything that I didn't get done. So on your Sabbath, you need to ask these questions when you're making your plans. 
first of all, is what I'm going to do honoring God. And for most of us, Sabbath will be Sunday because we have that day off and we're in church. And and so for most of us, it would be a Sunday, but maybe it's another day for you. And you have to ask this question, is what I'm going to do today honoring God? Because he says, I want you to keep it holy. It belongs to me. It's dedicated to me. So first of all, does it bring honor to God? And second of all, does it offer rest to your body and refreshment to your soul? As I go on my sabbatical, I have to ask myself these things over the next weeks. And and yes, I'll be in school all day, every day for a lot of those days, but is it bringing refreshment to my soul? And it does, because going to school fills me up. I love it. I enjoy it. I know some people think I'm crazy, but I love it. I love going to school. And, and so, again, there's just that, that thing that fills me up. It refreshes my soul. And so you have to ask yourself, am I honoring God? Is it giving rest to my body? Is it refreshment to my soul? Because God wants to do that in our life. Can I read Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 again? But I want to read it from the Message Bible. And I want you just to let this kind of soak in as I read it slowly. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. God says, I want you to come with me. Spend time with me. Don't live the 24-7 life that everybody says you have to live. Spend that time with me. Give me that most precious resource you have. And I'll do something eternal in your life. And let me just give you this as I I, I close out here. A lot of times you're like, Pastor, I can't do that. I'm glad you have a job where you can take a sabbatical. That's really good for you. But I I don't have that. And I've got to work this and I've got to work that. And, And let me just say this. When God gives us a command, don't run. Don't run from that command. Don't disobey God when he speaks something to your life. Because you can run. Jonah ran. First verse of Jonah. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. The the, the very next verse says, Jonah went the opposite direction. And um, he ran. And he messed up his life and everybody's life around him. Again and again and again. Until finally... The Lord had to go get him, and he had to bow his knee. And then he had to follow God anyway. (laughs) So don't run. Don't run. It's going to make it worse for you and worse for everybody around you. Why not bring blessing to those, the thousand generations around you? You know, just follow God. When he commands it, just do it. And let me tell you, don't let anybody or anything, the enemy, yourself, don't let anything rob you from God's very best in your life. Don't let it rob you of the rest that you need, the time with God that you need. Don't let anything rob it. Follow God's commands. Whether he says, keep me first. Don't worship anything else. Keep keep our relationship right. Not flippant, but good. And give me the time in your life. Give me those Sundays. Give me that quiet time every day. I want that time with you. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? I want to pray with you this morning before I go. And I know that God's going to be in our church in a powerful way for the the weeks to come.
But I just want to pray with you. That is you, and I know, like I said, if I asked you to show your hands, everyone would raise their hands. I want to love God, but, but just remember, you can't love God on your own. You've got to do it His way. We don't know how to do it. We think we know how to do it, but we don't. And so we just need to follow His commands. And probably the most important command is just, you need to spend time with me. And so I just want to pray with you for the, the courage and the strength and the anointing to follow each command that he gives you. God, I thank you for today in your house. God, it has been an unbelievable day. And God, you've done some eternal things today. You've done supernatural things today. And God, we thank you for that. God, I pray that we would be people that find ourselves in your house. God, that we would be people that, that I know we're busy and I know we're tired, but God, that we would give you time. And in that time, you would be our rest. And God, you would speak to our lives and you would do something amazing. God, I, I pray that, uh, Lord, as we worship you, we would just remember, even no matter how defeated we feel, that we are on the winning team. God, I just pray that we would just hold on to that and that we would be leaders in our life and in the life of our family and the people around us to bring people to the house of God. That your power might be displayed in our life. And God, I just thank you for this congregation. Pray a blessing upon them. And God, I know that you're going to be with them during these weeks. And uh, God, I thank you that you are the great shepherd and that you love your sheep. And the sheep know you, and they hear your voice, and they follow. And so, God, we want to be those sheep that follow you. Every command. God, we love and honor you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll miss you guys, and I'll be back before you know it. But I want to do something um, one, just one more time before I go. And I'm just going to ask you to stand. And I know Pastor Merrill's coming to receive our tithes and offerings and just to uh, Pastor Fred's going to come and share just a couple things that we need to talk about because there's some things we can do uh, today and, and sign up for today that need to be done. And uh, so we're going to kind of share the life of the church in just a moment. But if I could before I leave, I just want to I just want to give the blessing of the Lord. And I believe this blessing will rest upon me, upon all of us. And uh, and again, we receive this blessing that lasts for thousands of generations. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that rests upon us, not just for a week or ten weeks, but for all of life into eternity. And uh, God, I, I just pray this one more time. Keep us safe, keep us strong, until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated as Pastor Merrill comes.